Hello and welcome. This is the UC Santa Cruz News Roundup Podcast, where we talk about the latest news and research from UC Santa Cruz. And in this case, uh, recent events at UC Santa Cruz and our community and region. In this episode, we'll be talking about the CZU Lightning Complex fire and its effect on the campus and the campus community. Hey Dan, do you know why it's called the CZU fire? What, is, what does CZU stand for? It's funny, it was, no, it's not funny at all, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> peculiar because, mm-hmm. because when you asked me that question, I assumed that it stood for something horrible <laughs> and destructive and disgusting. So yeah. I thought like creeping zealotry and ugliness. Mm. Like, That's a good something. guess. But, don't you think? Yeah. What could be more creeping and zealous and ugly than a fire? <laughs> but CZU actually stands for, or should I say stands in for, Cal Fires Santa Cruz, so Cal Fort Fires, the firefighting unit, Cal Fires Santa Cruz San Mateo unit is known as CZU. So it's kind of one of those abbreviations that is not an abbreviation because if it was an abbreviation, it would be C-S-C-S-M-U, right? Right. So instead it's C-Z-U, which is um, very odd. (laughs) And the thing is, most newspapers that say it's a C-Z-U lightning fire, I have seen almost no definition of what the letters mean. No, it's amazing that our letters, our our leaders will have, I mean, sorry, listeners, will have bragging rights now because they will understand sort of why it's called CZU. I know, I know. I've been wondering this whole time and it's a really awkward combination and I'm like, why why the heck is it called that? And it's, you're right, it's never been spelled out. Um, and it just and and it frankly doesn't make much sense. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so now I just it's call like, it the disgusting like, fire because it's okay. just it really. It's yeah. Just... All right. Well, we're gonna tell you all about um, the fire and its effect on the campus and our campus community. We are, of course, social distancing, not because yeah. of the fire, but because of oh my god, that thing we almost forgot about, COVID nineteen. So what, what, um, that? what does that stand for? Uh, hmm. God, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, listeners, so that's that's all to say. Forgive any poor audio quality or random sounds in the background as we get you the podcast, even in this strange and uncertain environment that suddenly became even more uncertain and, and actually scary yeah. while the fire burned out of control in the Santa Cruz Mountains, approached campus, forced evacuations for thousands of students, staff, faculty, and community members, and caused heartbreaking loss for so many. I'm your co-host, Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. And I'm your other co-host, Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz News. Okay, first, uh, so some background on the fires for anyone who may not know already. The fires from the CZU Lightning Complex started August 16th from lightning strikes in the middle of the night, which woke me up. Did it wake you up, Dan? It did, and it's amazing how quickly people went from my goodness, I took the most beautiful pictures of this to then gradually realizing how just incredibly destructive yeah, the strikes were. Right? Um, yeah, that was a, a really rare occurrence in Santa Cruz. And honestly, one of the most beautiful storms I've ever seen, but you're right. The beauty uh, suddenly 
kind of flip side, the other side of the coin, um, yeah. uh, started multiple fires um, all around this region and uh, throughout the state. Containment on this fire, the CZU Lightning Complex, um, has increased to 48% as of this morning, September 3rd. So they have been making a lot of progress and weather has been cooperating. So thank goodness for that. Um, the fire, however, has torched more than 85,000 acres and destroyed almost 1,500 structures in Santa Cruz and San Mateo counties. Uh, it's destroyed more than 900 homes in Santa Cruz County alone. So that's, incredible. that's an incredibly sad toll. The fire came within a mile of Upper Campus and forced more than 70,000 people, including everyone on the UC Santa Cruz campus and in the immediate neighborhoods to evacuate. More than 13,000 Santa Cruz County residents remained under evacuation orders as of Tuesday recently. Uh, some orders are still under evacuation. Uh, Bonnie Dune, most of Boulder Creek and areas to its northwest, the North Coast, past Davenport, and areas near Butano and Big Basin State Parks. One person was killed in the fire. Uh, more than 2,000 firefighters were on the fire line. Our Chancellor, UC Santa Cruz Chancellor, Cynthia LaRive, declared an emergency on August 20th and ordered the closure of the residential campus, coastal science campus, and Westside Research Park. With increased containment of the fire because of the heroic work of firefighters, the chancellor lifted the emergency order on August 31st and the campus has been undergoing a phased reopening. But with so much impact on the campus's planning for fall, the chancellor communicated that there need to be changes to the housing plans for fall, saying the campus can only accommodate a small number of students and she encouraged everyone to spend fall quarter at their current residence if possible. So, wow, in the midst of COVID and a national landscape of big societal turmoil and change, UC Santa Cruz was dealt this immense crisis and so many are suffering terrible loss. But I think how the campus handled the crisis is a real testament to our leadership and our community, don't you, don't you, Dan? I really do. I think that the, the fire has been just such a dreadful uh, emergency for the area, but our campus community responded with just an inspiring mixture of problem solving and know-how and flexibility and coordination and quickness too. I can't yeah. understate how quickly they were able to move into to action. And I love the fact that slug strong is becoming kind of a tagline. I love it too. Slugged. And, and I, I, I want to point out the generosity, too, of the community, because everyone seemed to jump in to help um, to try to give um, to those who have been so terribly affected. It is so true. When I went over to, to the Emmeline, uh, this area where they had kind of an evacuation area where they're collecting materials, and I, I brought some food over and some water over there, there was a line to drop uh, mm. these things off, and I just was... It, it was almost like a traffic jam to help. And I, I'd always love to see that where people are kicking in. And I can't tell you how many people I know who've said, you know, gee, I got to hold off on some commitment they've made because they've got five or six. I know someone who has 10 people, 10 evacuees living at his house in Santa Cruz, which is kind of amazing. People wow. really are generous and they really do want to do what they can. So anyhow, you know, um, 
it really was just a lot of devastation. And as I'm sure you've noticed, Gwen, it was pretty much impossible for any of us to get away from all the smoke, uh, you know, several days right. running after the fires began. Oh, hey, Dan, um, yes. I wanted to cut in and just mention, make sure that we mention, um, we we're just talking about generosity, that there's a wildfire relief fund that was started. Um, and if you're interested in donating to that, to help provide uh, relief for UCSC community members affected by disasters like the like the, the wildfires, you could go to 2020wildfirerelief.ucsc.edu. Fantastic. I hope people give freely to that. Yeah. So yeah, that smoke. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. It was terrible. And it is really kind of sobering how quickly, I mean, at the time when they were doing the evacuation for UCSC, I mean, the reports of how fast the blaze was moving in 0% containment, there were yeah. a lot of unknowns. It was really scary. So you have to imagine this emergency team at UCSC just zipping into action and just coordinating. And I talked to a lot of people who were involved in the evacuation, and it really was inspiring and fascinating to, to just see the way the, the team the, uh, the teamwork function. Mm -hmm. Sue Matthews, Associate uh, Vice Chancellor for Colleges, Housing, and Educational Services at UCSC, told me about the magnitude of the response. So in the early morning hours of Sunday, August 16th, when that rare and destructive storm you described when, when it hit, mm -hmm. there were 1,215 residents up on campus. And that's not, it's a not insignificant number of people. Now by Thursday evening, when the evacuation was mandated, all remaining tenants, everybody were safely and swiftly evacuated by that time, Sue Matthews told me. That's a really quick turnaround, mm -hmm. and that required coordination with fire responders, the UC Santa Cruz Police Department, staff members in various parts of campus, and transportation and parking services, otherwise known as TAPS, joining forces to make sure everyone was taken care of. And I should point out that that population up there at the time the fire broke out, that is undergrads, that's graduate students, that's employees, affiliates, and family members. Yeah, you mentioned the undergrads, uh, graduate students, employees, and family that were living on campus when the fire broke out. But where, where were all those people relocated? That's a good question. Many of the evacuated uh, UC Santa Cruz community members were able to just you know, relocate with friends and family who live mm -hmm. fairly okay. close. Others were taken to the University Town Center in Santa Cruz or to various Santa Cruz oh. hotels, including the Carousel Inn and the Sea and Sand Inn. Right. A few okay. stayed overnight at the Coconut Grove, which was, you know, it's at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk and amazingly, you know, volunteered to be this kind of evacuation center, even serving meals. Um, on, uh, and some people were relocated to residence halls at San Jose State University, which stepped up uh, to open its doors for students in need. And uh, I should also point out that while UC Santa Cruz was dealing with this major evacuation, it already had handled a major logistical challenge on its hands. The campus had been managing the evacuation of that small uh, year-long community that lives up mm -hmm. on Mount Hamilton, close to UC's historic Lick Observatory, right. which is high over San Jose. Yep. It was right in the path of the SCU lightning uh, complex fire. Uh, miraculously, that historic observatory appeared to have ex uh, escaped sustaining serious damage. Yeah. Um, and campus drivers had to work really hard to make sure community members could clear off campus in case of an evacuation order. I mean, they were on hand 24 hours a day at one point, just waiting for the 
the order. And uh, the TAPS director, Dan Henderson, told me that some drivers were staying overnight in these empty dorms just mm. so they could hit the ground running uh, if the need arrived at a moment's notice. And um, I asked how they got everybody out so methodically. And it turns out campus police literally went door to door in the dorms and other housing services just knocking, checking mm. up on everybody. And uh, as I mentioned, Seaside Company stepped up with a coconut grove ballroom. But the other incredible thing was the way that UC Santa Cruz Dining Services stepped into action. They were down there at the Coconut Grove, you know, not their normal workspace, providing at one point more than 3,000 meals per day, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I should point out that, that those meals, that's a huge amount of meals. It's not yeah. just for displaced UCSC community members. It's also for displaced area residents in 20 shelters across the country. You know, even before the, call, the fire happened, the campus had an arrangement with Santa Cruz County to provide about a thousand meals a day due to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. But that number was up to 3,400 by the time the uh, evacuation was going on. Another wow. 300 meals per day to displace staff and families at University Town Center. And um, I also want to uh, call attention to the research buildings that were saved as the fire swept across the Big Creek Natural Reserve. And that's another amazing effort due to, once again, intensive fire preparedness and hard work by fast-moving fire crews and UC Santa Cruz staff. Now, the, um, and this is uh, how it began as a sad story. The research in residential buildings at Lendells Hill Big Creek Natural Reserve on the Big Sur Coast, they were all preserved Alas, the reserve itself, it's a heavily forested area, as you know, sustained some serious damage, and we may not know the full impact on the natural resources uh, for some time. Now, the blaze is believed to have been started intentionally oh. in, the, in John Little State Nature Reserve, which is about three miles north of the Big Creek entrance off Highway 1, and um, soon afterwards, it had grown to more than 14,000 acres. And the Monterey County Sheriff's Office actually arrested someone, a guy from Fresno, on suspicion wow. of uh, arson. So, so that's a kind of a strange little twist in that story. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, like we don't have enough problems in our hands with natural causes of fire. <laughs> and uh, the Natural Reserve Director, Gage Dayton, who I've interviewed many times before mm -hmm. uh, in happier circumstances, said the fire, um, it had seemed to slow before it, it jumped to Big Creek, but then it kind of exploded overnight and burned into the reserve. And researchers doing a lot of marvelous work there. They're studying, you know, projects ranging from sea otter habitat to old growth redwoods and coastal stream habitat. So they're doing really good work in the now this, you know. Um, and yeah. three campgrounds are on the site, a research cabin a, and a small laboratory and a library all up on the site. Wow. Uh, so how are they able to get control of the blaze? Um, I read that heavy smoke and a steep terrain prevented aerial attacks on the fire. That's absolutely right. So imagine having that on your hands and then you can't even use some of your most potent you know, weapons. There were severe logistical challenges that prevented air support from happening. So to fight the fire from the ground required a big team effort with natural reserve staff members working side by side with the CAL FIRE crew the U.S. Forest Service and Big Sur volunteer firefighters. And as you can imagine, it required very long hours, beginning in the wee hours of the morning, save facility along Coyote Creek and other buildings. And about 60 personnel were involved. 
And what made a big difference was just how prepared they were. Mm. And that also, uh, luckily enough, you know, there is a 15,000 gallon water tank installed at the whale point research cabin on the ridgeline. So that helped them wet down the structures and save them. So that oh. was, it's great that you had that there. Wow. I made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Oh man. So much going on. Um, so much. And I had heard, Gwen, <laughs> I'd heard from uh, through the grapevine. And this The first I heard about this was from you, actually, that it wasn't just people who had to evacuate from the fire. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> unbelievably. You know, so people found shelter for their pets, of course, when they had to evacuate. Um, they found shelter for their, their pets and animals, dogs, cats, horses, other animals. But also, um, the research animals at UC Santa Cruz's Long Marine Lab had to be evacuated as well. All the resident mam uh, re marine mammals at the lab are safe and well after a successful evacuation effort. <laughs> um, Gwen, I just heard you say resident marine mammals. <laughs> oh my God. So seriously, so how in the world do you evacuate a dolphin? I know. I asked that question too, and you have to be very careful when you do it. Um, so, okay. So it was actually two dolphins, five seals, and a sea lion. What? I know. And they were, this is an amazing story. They were all safely evacuated thanks to good preparation, well-trained and cooperative animals, and generous assistance from SeaWorld of San Diego and the Marine Mammal Center in Sausalito. Um, so, you know, the folks at the Marine Lab started to worry, of course, about the lab's uh, marine mammals even before campus officials ordered the evacuation of the UCSC Coastal Science Campus. Um, because just like you and I noticed, ash from the wildfires was falling onto the lab's saltwater pools and, and the air was so thick with smoke. I mean, I, you and I could hardly breathe. Yeah, People right. were wearing masks, but the animals had no such filter protection and, and they were fearing for their lungs, according to Terry Williams, professor of ecology and evolutionary biology. In addition, staff were worried that there wouldn't be time to get the animals out in case of an emergency evacuation order. So by the time the evacuation order did come through on August 20th, the animals were actually already safely on their way to other facilities. Moving the dolphins, and their names are Don Lee and Rain, and the Hawaiian monk seal, Kikoa, each weighing over 400 pounds. Oh, no. <laughs> These are big guys. Um, it, there were some logistical challenges, of course, but trainer Bo Richter convinced Kikoa to haul out of his pool, slide across the deck, and scooch down a ramp into a large cage. To move the dolphins, they had to drain their pool and place each dolphin into a soft fleece-lined sling. And this is so cute. As the water level dropped in their pool, the dolphins comforted each other by keeping their flukes in contact. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> I really had no idea. I know. So once they were in their, their slings all secure, each dolphin was lifted out of the pool with a forklift and lowered into a custom-made dolphin transporter that could be filled with salt water for the trip to SeaWorld. And then did they fly them down to San Diego? Uh, no, they actually drove. Uh, in fact, lab manager Tracy Kendall arranged for a refrigerated truck to transport the animals because they'd be going through triple-digit temperatures in the Central Valley on their way down there to San Diego. 
And the two dolphins, they just talked the whole way. <laughs> they kept in touch with each other despite that they were in separate transporters. They immediately struck up a squeaking, whistling conversation in the truck that lasted the entire duration of the trip to Southern California, Kendall said. That's incredible. So amazing story, isn't it? I mean, I never would have thought to have a plan for that, but um, but our marine mammal researchers are totally on the ball and hopefully all our animals can come home soon. You know, um, when I first read the reference to the uh, the idea of, uh, you know, that they drove, I imagined the dolphins literally driving the truck. Uh, <laughs> flippers. You Eating know, like, you know, Cheetos and... <laughs> popping like sardines in their mouth and cursing out of the drivers. But however, a, a dolphin would curse, like, you know, uh, They put some good podcasts on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cod, podca- I said codcasts. That's a Freudian <laughs> oh, That's pretty good. Cod- yeah. That's what dolphins listen to. Codcasts. <laughs> okay, so Dan, you were mentioning the SCU lightning complex fire, and um, that actually affected another uh, UC property, the UC Lick Observatory, which had a really close call. The observatory escaped serious damage as another fire, um, that fire, the SCU lightning complex, swept across Mount Hamilton, east of San Jose. All uh, all observatory staff and Mount Hamilton residents are safe, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, one residence that was not being used did burn completely, and several other residences sustained some structural damage as well as smoke and water damage. A potential conflagration on the observatory's Kepler Peak, where several residences are located, was averted through major efforts by fire crews. So Mount Hamilton is located in the Calaveras zone of the SCU Lightning Complex fire, which had about 20 separate fires burning in that really steep, rugged terrain. And it was throughout five counties. And I don't know, you know, I'm not sure how many people know about Lick Observatory, but it was founded in 1888, (laughs) so long ago, but it's still at the forefront of astronomical research as an active research facility. It's operated by the University of California Observatories, or UCO, a multi-campus research unit that serves eight UC campuses and is headquartered at UC Santa Cruz. Um, And if you go to their Facebook page, the Look Observatory Facebook page, there is just a fascinating chronicle of the fire's approach and Thank goodness its eventual decline. Um, the, a photo from August 28th shows a burn area that you won't believe. I mean, it got to like within feet of the Shane three meter telescope. That's what and, I'd heard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You had heard, oh my God. I had not heard it was that close, my God. And uh, so on, the, on their Facebook page, they say the fire started to head toward this direction soon after it destroyed the Barnard House at Rattlesnake Ridge. Firefighters were battling with the flames and keeping them away from approaching the domes. There will be high costs associated with rebuilding damaged infrastructure. So if you want to help, uh, gifts can be made to UCO director to the UCO Director's Discretionary Fund. So wow, um, it's been quite a time here at UC Santa Cruz and pretty much throughout California, but um, for our news about UC Santa Cruz, um, this time it was, it was pretty dramatic. Yes, it was. It was, uh, just kind of nonstop for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm so glad, you know, you're safe, Dan, and, um, 
our staff and faculty and, and students are safe and everyone was evacuated. And uh, same to you, Gwen. I'm glad that you yeah. were able to muck on through. I know. And despite how close the, the fire got to campus, uh, did not ever actually reach campus. Thank you, firefighters. And so the campus uh, is safe and all the wonderful details about it are, are intact. So thank goodness. All right. Well, that's pretty much the news for this time. That was a lot. Um, <laughs> it is always to have you with us. And uh, we hope you stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. And we will uh, we'll catch you up with the latest news next time. Hopefully not about fires or other disasters. Hopefully a very uneventful podcast. <laughs> I know. Let's, let's hope we can just talk about research next time. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's it for this time. We will talk to you uh, next podcast. See you all later. <laughs>